Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since 2014, the NHL players will officially be competing in the Olympic Games. What is going on, Devils fans? It is your boy, Neil Filipiano, and welcome back to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get the most up-to-date news, topics, discussions, and so much more about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic kick-ass day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode thank you guys as always for taking some time out of your day 
to check this episode out. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. I'm sure you guys are wondering, Neil, you're pretty fired up today. Well, number one, I'm always fired up to talk to you guys, no matter what the topic is at hand. But I'm extra fired up because a couple of days ago, we officially got an announcement that for the first time since the 2014 Sochi Olympics, the NHL players are actually going to be allowed to play in the Olympic Games. And there's a lot to discuss about this. And I wanted to make this episode mainly about this topic because I think it's important. And I'm going to read... For the majority, I'm going to read a lot of stuff that was actually written by uh, Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, and they do a tremendous job, by the way. If you guys are looking for some really good hockey writers and good hockey people on ESPN, those two do a tremendous job. They're very detailed. They're very bright. We had Greg Wyshynski on the podcast actually last year. Go listen to that episode if you haven't already, and they basically gave out a pretty detailed description of what exactly we're going to be dealing with when it comes to this. So obviously it means, you know, we'll get to understand why, you know, why this was ended up determining what took them so long. What are the, the big things that we have to understand, you know, the scheduling, other things like that. Th these are things that we need to understand so that we can have a decent expectation moving forward as we prepare for the beginning of the NHL season. And obviously with the two week break in mid February for the Olympic games. So as always, we have a ton to talk about on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time. And drop the puck. So again, like I said, we're gonna I'm gonna mainly talk about, well, I'm gonna mainly read off a lot of what Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski said in, a, in an article they put out two days ago, which is titled NHL players heading to Beijing Olympics in 2022. Bracket, schedule, teams, COVID protocols. So this is really good. Like I said, they do a tremendous job, those two, of bring, bringing out details of whatever the big news is in the NHL. And I feel like that it's only natural for us to get a good understanding as to what we are going to be dealing with. Because obviously, it's going to be different than what we've seen before. Uh, it's something that we haven't seen in nearly a decade. And look, the 2018 Olympics were, were great, and there was some really good competition in the hockey realm. We had Germany taking on the Russian athletes in the 2018 final. But again, it just wasn't the same. We're not getting the best players in the world. We're not getting the highest level of competition. And that's no disrespect to the players that were in it. It's just that like, it wasn't a surprise that Russia ended up winning the Olympics that year because, look, they had the majority of former NHL players, some former stars, guys like Ilya Kovalchuk, Pavel Datsuk. I mean, even Nikita Gusev before he got to New Jersey was on that team. So obviously they had an upper hand against a lot of teams. And I'm not saying that Germany isn't good enough to actually legitimately get to the Olympic uh, gold medal game. It just, it didn't feel real for obvious reasons. Um, but now going into the 2022 Olympics, that's all going to change. So let me read to you uh, really quickly some, uh, uh, basically the first couple of paragraph lines um, that uh, the two wrote in this article. So it starts with, when the NHL players signed a new collective bargaining agreement in 2020, they earned a massive win. The league agreed to allow players to participate in the 2022 and 2026 Olympic Games. NHL players uniformly have fought to return to the Olympics. It's a dream for so many to be able to represent their countries on an iconic stage. And for the players who aren't selected, well, it often means a two-week vacation in the middle of the season. Nobody hates that. 
In the previous CBA, there was no language about Olympic participation. So players had little recourse when the league and its owners decided to skip the 2018 games, citing concerns about schedule disruption and injury risks. You got to call it like it is. What you see on paper, most what most of you guys see on paper when the NHL is asked, particularly Gary Bedman is asked about why the NHL doesn't participate sometimes or why there's always an issue when it comes to the Olympics, they will most likely tell you that it's mainly because they don't want to see their main stars get injured in the Olympics. And that's understandable. I remember in the 2014 Olympics when John Tavares, who at the time was with the Islanders, got hurt. And before the, the uh, Olympic break, the Islanders were right in the thick of things, uh, making a run for a playoff spot. And unfortunately, losing John Tavares took the wind out of them and they ended up missing the playoffs that year. So obviously it was frustrating for them to admit to, and, and they lost out on him. And that was a big loss for them, 100%. But let's call it like it is. It is not the biggest reason why the NHL is having issues with this, has had issues in the past with this. The biggest issue is that the NHL makes little to no money whatsoever in the two weeks that the players go over to the Olympics. The money that is made is for the Olympic Committee and obviously the countries that are involved in it. The NHL cannot promote it. The NHL cannot use it to sell things to hockey fans. There's nothing that they can do to be necessarily involved. So obviously it's frustrating because you're losing two weeks of revenue. And obviously it being, you know, the NHL being a business like everybody else, they want to try to make as much money as possible. And that's something that's constantly been frustrating. Um, I was in the international baccalaureate program when I was in high school and all of us had to do an IB paper, a big research paper that was very, very long. And I ended up choosing the topic of why the NHL doesn't prefer its players to play in the Olympics. And I didn't even really know what the problems was, but after doing my research and writing the paper and understanding it completely, I was able to understand not from just an injury perspective, but also just from a financial perspective that really the NHL actually loses a decent amount of revenue in the two weeks that they're not playing. There's no games going on. It's not like that they've decided to continue the season and only the players that are playing the Olympics are the ones not playing in the NHL. Do I think that that could be a possibility down the road? Maybe, but also like it says in the article, it's not a bad thing for players to have two weeks off uh, to rest and recover. And again, you're in the middle of the NHL season. You're right into the thick of a playoff race and teams could get guys rested, get some guys that are injured to get a little bit healthier and get themselves going. I, I think that's an advantage. I really do. I think that's a beneficial thing. And, and that's one of the things the players themselves were pushing towards so that they could get the opportunity to do these type of things. And in the previous CBA, that just wasn't the case. Now, though the players won this battle, the new Olympic CBA clause always carried a caveat. It was contingent on the NHL and NHL Players Association reaching a deal with the International Ice Hockey Federation, or IIHF, as most of you know, and the International Olympic Committee. And those talks are never easy. As the four sides talked on and off for the last several months, bypassing some arbitrary deadlines and finally reaching an agreement on Friday. And here basically is an understanding as to, well, again, detailed description of why did it take so long? What were they necessarily negotiating? Is it a done deal? What is the Olympic break going to look like? And, you know, things like what's the format? Who are the teams that are available? who are going to be there, what are the COVID protocols? Because I think that's a very, very big thing, considering that the players will be in Japan.
So that's something to keep in mind. And no, I'm not going down the road of, oh, it's, you know, I'm blaming the Asians for why COVID happened. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going down that road. I am not doing that because that is simply not true. And if you think that way, that's a really bad way to look at it. So anyway, let's start with what were the key issues that the two sides were negotiating? So I think a lot of people need to understand why these negotiations were taking as long as they did. The NHL still isn't crazy about the idea of sending players to the Olympics, but since the league agreed with the players, it negotiated on their behalf in good faith. So again, it started with the NHL and NHLPA being on the same page, and then the NHL with the combination of the NHLPA going to the Olympic Committee and the IIHF to then discuss it that way. So it was a very long process of multiple parties being involved to get this to actually be approved. One thing the NHL wanted out of an Olympic agreement was expanded media and advertising rights i.e. getting more revenue, getting revenue period from the Olympic break. In a February 2020 meeting, the NHL outlined some of the things it wanted. NHL logos and advertisements featured in Olympic Games, the ability to use Olympic highlights on NHL Network or NHL.com, which it hoped would help promote the game. The NHL felt good about the way discussions went in that meeting. But the climate has changed since then, sending the NHL switching broadcast partners from NBC, which is also the home of the Olympics and still is, Ultimately, the NHL didn't get those expanded media rights. The IOC and IIHF didn't have an appetite to make more concessions to the NHL. Those involved with the discussion said the IIHF and IOC knew they held leverage, as NHL players have been pretty adamant, privately and publicly, about how badly they wanted to go. So that's been the difficult thing for the National Hockey League. On one hand, they are telling the NHLPA, yes, we are going to do everything we can to make sure that you guys get approved to play the Olympic Games. But they also are saying to the IIHF and the IOC, look, we want to get some advertisement and revenue from this. And at first, the both of those com committees were like, okay, we'll let that slide. But once the NHL started to push more and more and more, it got to a point where those two sides just said, look, we, we can't just completely give you all of the access here because we also have to make money and revenue off of this as well. So this is again where things become a problem. The IIHF and IOC already agreed to pick up travel costs and insurance for NHL players. If players are allowed to have guests, both of those parties will cover costs for the guests as well. Another big issue that came up was COVID-19 insurance. Yes, there is a thing called COVID-19 insurance. What would happen if a player contracts COVID at the Olympics and if it affects him afterward? The NHL and NHLPA found a provider for COVID insurance, but it was expensive, and the IIHF and IOC said they would not cover it. Now it'll be up to the, each individual player to purchase that insurance. Sources said most NHL players would probably skip getting that additional insurance, especially knowing how strict the protocols will be. We don't know what the world is going to be like by the time we reach February of 2022. I'm hoping that things continue to improve and we are starting to slow down the spread of COVID, but there's still going to be restrictions. And with things going on and with things becoming a problem, especially in the Asian community, in Japan and China, but particularly in Japan, you know, they're going to take extra protocol. Because remember, it's not just NHL players, it's athletes all over the world coming here. And you have to look at the way that things were settled in the Summer Olympics this year. It's going to be very similar. It's, uh, and it's going to be worse. Well, not worse. It's going to be more strict if things don't improve. So that's something to keep in mind. 
All players who participate in the Olympics will be required to take the COVID vaccine. However, there could be very little exemptions on a case-by-case basis. Sources say an overwhelming majority of NHL players are already vaccinated. And the NHL also put out earlier that NHL teams can punish their own players by preventing them from being around the team, participating in games, and also being fined if they don't get the COVID vaccine. And I don't really know any NHL players that have come out and spoken about being against taking it or having a problem with it. We obviously have heard it from NFL players in particular and, you know, a lot of anti-vax people as well. But from the NHL perspective, I have not heard a whole lot. Now, that could all just mean because there isn't a lot of coverage to it, but I think it's something that, you know, should be taken into taken into thought uh, when these process happens. So that's something to keep in mind. So the next question that most people had is, so is this a done deal? Are we now like fully through? Um, it, there, it is basically done, but there is a catch. The sides that agree to an opt-out clause that gives the NHL and NHLPA the chance to pull out of the Olympics should COVID conditions worsen or otherwise pose a threat to the health and safety of players. So this, again, why they talk about the COVID insurance and everything. If things get out of control or are too overwhelming to the NHL's liking, they're going to pull out. They're going to pull out and just continue the season. I don't know if they'll still have the two-week break and we just won't have hockey at all during that time. But here's the thing. There has to be a deadline when it comes to, you know, when, you know what players are going to go over there. Because you can't pull out like a week before because then the, 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 um, the hockey organizations, you know, Team Canada or Hockey Canada, Team USA, all these countries, they have to figure out what players are going to be there. So there has to be a deadline at least three, maybe four months prior to the, um, you know, the beginning of the Olympics. Uh, so that they know, and that's and they have to be in constant communication. And I think you'll see that throughout uh, the year. You're going to see a lot of communication. You're probably going to see more information come out as the months go by and go from there. I think that's something to keep in mind as we move closer and closer to that February break. Another reason the NHL and NHLPA could potentially pull out is if the 2021-22 NHL season is affected by game cancellations. If the league feels it needs to use the Olympic break to make up games, to get a full season in, and recoup as much hockey-related revenue as possible, it could exercise this clause. The language is, is extremely vague, but the opt-out deadline is believed to be sometime in early January. So that's something to monitor. So again, early January, because again, these hockey committees have to be have to be ready to figure out who's going to be, you know, who's going to be on the team, and you know, what are they going to do about practice and getting ready and all those things. That that's Those are all things to keep in mind moving forward. And again, if we're getting cancellations because of COVID, that's just going to make it more and more difficult for the NHL to feel comfortable, you know, taking a two-week break and putting themselves in that position. So that, again, it's it's a done deal, but but those catches could very well be in play. Let's just hope that that's not the case. Now, what will the Olympic break look like? The NHL is scheduled to break from games from Thursday, February 3rd through Thursday, excuse me, Tuesday, February 22nd. All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas, Nevada on February 4th and 5th was going to happen with or without Olympic participation. Olympians who attend All-Star Weekend will leave directly from Las Vegas that Sunday, February 6th to travel to Beijing, um, China. I don't know why I've been saying Japan this whole time. Maybe because I was thinking of the Summer Olympics. I apologize for that, by the way. Uh, we're talking about Beijing, China. 
who hosted the 2008 Summer Olympics. So now they get the Winter Olympics. So they should probably be avoided after this since they've gotten the opportunity to host both. But that's another topic for another day. Uh, the league has an unreleased alternative schedule prepared if, for whatever reason, the NHL players do not end up attending the Olympics. So for the things that I just mentioned um, before. So the next question is, what's the format for the Olympic men's hockey tournament? What will the rosters look like? So again, with the women's, I mean, it's going to basically be what we've seen in the years past, including 2018. So that's why it's probably not discussed as much because there is no, there really is no alternative to that. Um, but it's the same format used for the last three winter games. There are three groups comprised of four teams apiece. The 12 teams are ranked by record after group play and the top four teams advance to the quarterfinals. Typically the three group winners and the best second place team after tiebreakers. The other eight teams seeded by record play in qualification round playoff games to advance to the quarterfinals. The winners in the semifinals play to advance to play for the gold medal game and the losers in the semifinals play for bronze. Participating Olympic teams must submit their, quote, long lists of players by October 15th. The provisional playing rosters will be announced by January. So again, by January, we'll know who made the team. And here's the thing. As we get closer to the Olympics and everything continues to go well, we will obviously have episodes discussing what Devils players could make their respective rosters uh, for the Olympic Games. Um, and I think the Devils might actually have a pretty good handful of players that could potentially go. I don't know if there's any guarantees, but there are some guys in this roster that I think have a legitimate shot of making their respective countries. So here's a question that I'm sure some people are also wondering about. Which teams have qualified so far? The three groups for the 2022 Winter Olympics have been announced. Nine teams qualified for the tournament in the initial round. Denmark, Slovakia, and Latvia qualified in a round of qualification games that were played between August 26th and 29th. China, the host nation, automatically gets a spot. So usually the host country gets an automatic spot regardless of, you know, how they've done in Olympic qualifying games. So here are the groups. There are three groups. Group A is Canada, the United States, Germany, and host country, China. I really don't get why the U.S. and Canada have to constantly be in the same group together. Um, I just feel like that they should switch it up a little bit. That's just me. Group B is the Russian Olympic Committee, the Czech Republic, Switzerland, and Denmark. Group C is Finland, Sweden, Slovakia, and Latvia. Unfortunately, Belarus was not able to qualify. They ended up getting knocked out in qualifying round. Um, if they had actually qualified, there was a good chance that Yegor Sharangovich was, was going to be the captain of Belarus going into the Olympics, which would have been a major, a major good thing for the Devils organization and for Sharangovich himself. I believe he was the captain for the qualifying games. Um, it's just unfortunate that they could not um, qualify. That's the whole thing. So when you look at the teams, you look at Canada, Devils have some Canadian players, U.S., same thing. Um, the Czech Republic, yep. Switzerland, 100%. Sweden, yep. Um, Slovakia, I believe. Uh, Finland, potentially. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But the Devils could be represented by a couple of countries. And most of the guys that we have that would possibly get there are pretty young guys. So maybe they may not get in. We don't know. Again, we'll talk about this in greater detail as we get closer a couple months um, uh, into the season. We'll talk about that. So. The last thing to really talk about here to kind of wrap this episode up is what are the COVID protocols of the Beijing Games? How do they compare to the Tokyo Olympics 
or the 2020 Stanley Cup playoff bubbles. This is something that is really interesting because we're kind of curious to know with a lot of information that we now have and so many examples of how people have handled things, how is it going to be handled in the Beijing Olympics? NHL players have gotten used to COVID protocols for the last year and a half, from daily testing to hotel isolation to the masks and social distancing inside venues. That especially goes for players who lived inside the Toronto and Edmonton bubbles during the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. The restrictions at the Olympics will closely resemble those standards, although there probably won't be a Tim Hortons truck in China, which is unfortunate. But you know what? Tim Hortons, knowing who they are, it won't stop them. They're going to find a way to be there in one way or another. The Tokyo Olympics provided the direct template. Almost all spectators were barred from events. Everyone at the games was required to wear masks at all times and socially distance. Athletes that didn't stay in the Olympic Village were kept in designated hotels. They were barred from taking public transport to events, instead using specific transport provided to them. The IOC developed sports-specific guidelines for position tests from how competitors could be replaced and disqualification standards in team sports. The Beijing Olympics are expected to go well beyond Tokyo's protocols. According to the New York Times, organizers announced they were redesigning 39 venues this summer to ensure that athletes have practically no contact with referees, spectators, or journalists, and that those groups are also separated from each other. It also reported on all-day armpit thermometers with tiny transmitters to sound the alarm should someone develop a fever. Damn, technology is continuing to advance more and more as the days go by. The Chinese government and IOC are still working on protocols. However, according to a memo sent out by the NHLPA executive director, Donald Furr, all indications are that the entire games, venues, the village, places to eat, etc., will be placed in a very tight bubble enforced by the Chinese government. Furr also wrote that it is anticipated that there will also be significant restrictions on where players can go within the bubble. No walking around or sightseeing. With whom they can socialize, only those on their regular contact list, perhaps not even other athletes in the village, as well as numerous other requirements, like daily COVID testing, social distancing, mask wearing, and frequent temperature checks. It's also likely that the players will be required to file daily activity plans and wear GPS location devices to assist with contract tracing and ensure protocol compliance. Again, no protocols have been finalized for next February's Olympics. Questions about how testing will be treated in quarantine specifics for travel have yet to be established. So yeah, basically what you're here when you hear that, you're looking at it and saying Beijing wants to take the COVID protocols that were in the Summer Olympics and double it and make it better than what it was before. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think because most of the NHL is pretty much used to what uh, is probably going to be expected of them at the Olympics, it's not really going to phase them. And again, it's not like they're going to be there for two months plus like they were in the playoffs for some of those players. It's going to be two weeks and that's about it. And then they'll be able to go home and everything will go back to where they were before. Um, and again, things could also change depending on how things are going when it comes to slowing down the spread of COVID and things like that and more people hopefully getting vaccinated and going from there. Um, I think that's something to keep in mind. And we'll see how things develop here in the United States. We'll see how things develop over in China and kind of go from there. But the bottom line simply is this. The NHL, if everything goes the way that we're hoping, the NHL will players will be at the 2022 Beijing Olympics. And that's something that everybody is excited about because 
That means we are getting the best of the best in the world going up against one another and playing. And it also just, again, gives us an opportunity to watch some players who play in other leagues in Europe and around the world that we don't know about that could really shine on on the Olympic stage and maybe give themselves an opportunity to play in a league like the NHL moving forward. There are going to be teams that are going to be scouting players that maybe are not on an NHL team or anything like that and maybe look to try to bring them in. I don't think it's a surprise at all that the Devils were heavily interested in Nikita Gusev right after the Olympics because they saw what he did in the Olympics and they were very much impressed. Now, did it work out? Unfortunately, no. But that's just one of the many type of situations. There's nothing saying that teams teams are not going to get a decent player that could be playing in the Olympics right now. So I think that's something to keep in mind moving forward and something to watch for because you're not just watching your normal NHL players play. You're watching also players from other leagues like the KHL and the Finnish League and the Superliga. You're going to see a lot of different players that you've never heard of that are going to be performing on the on the Olympic stage. And it's going to be really, really exciting to watch. And at the end of the day, I'm just really super pumped and excited that we get to have Olympic hockey with NHL players being there. And I'm not trying to disrespect any of the other Olympic sports because what these these women and men do is phenomenal. But I would put good money that the most the biggest sport that people are going to be keeping their eye on is going to be the is going to be hockey, because with your with basically all types of players being able to play and the best in the world, you have a chance to promote the NHL, promote the game of hockey, and just make it more and more exciting. And you're playing in an unorthodox country for hockey in China. Now, China has certainly gotten better at hockey and gotten more into hockey. I mean, look, they have a team that plays in the KHL, but this is just another opportunity to promote the game. And I think that's something we're all going to be looking forward to. And I'm curious to know how things go with the COVID protocol, how we're able to interact with the players um, on social media and things like that, what kind of things the NHL may do. I remember when they did uh, a season like no other NHL reveal back in 2014, I'm curious to know if they may do something similar to that this year. You know, you do have a winter classic. You you do have the winter classic. You do have stadium series. You have the all-star game and you have the Olympics. It's another season like no other. I would highly recommend the NHL do something similar to what they did in 2014, because I think it would be very, very, very beneficial. And again, it would allow the NHL and the NHL network to make some form of revenue off of this. And I think that's something that can be arranged and we'll see how things progress. But the bottom line here and the main point of this is ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since 2014, the NHL players will be back in the Olympic games.